This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hi, it's Vanessa from the Fighting Stigma Show on Free FM. Are you a Waikato local? Do you have an idea for a radio show? Do you want to try your hand at being a content creator on Free FM? If so, check out our website on freefm.org.nz or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. This program is sponsored by New Zealand Bridge, sponsors of Grassroots Bridge across the nation. Welcome to the Bridge Zone. You're at the table with Barry and Mariana. Barry is on the doubling sermon today. We're going to hear all about his thoughts on that. Have no idea why he wants to talk about that special little part of our bridge game. Little? Little. I've got about 20-something different sorts of doubles here, Mariana. 20. I must say that we did a couple of doubles on the weekend, and we also made a three clubs doubled contract, which was very favourable for us. I like doubles. You like you doubles? Made a, you made a couple of doubles? I'm sure there were more. Probably. I'd say there was more like a couple of dozen doubles than a couple of doubles. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we've got the results from Rotorua Open. I got a bottle of plunk, people. So Mariana, well, she nearly won a session, but she did win an A point, and she also got a session prize. So she came back through the Fitzgerald Glades with a couple of bottles of wine. Yeah, how about that? It was good. So it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. You know, I really want to be consistent. So I know that I can concentrate, which was my number one buzz on... Saturday, I wanted to really concentrate. And I did that. For the first session? Well, I thought I was doing it for the second session. I never quite got there. You know, bloody hells, Barry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I like the fluff of it all. and But I've got to get my head right. There's nothing wrong with a howl. There's a good tip for our listeners or a question for our listeners if they want to email us in. What do you think about playing in a howl? Yeah. I think it, I think a general feeling is a lot of people don't like it. But, I mean, it does have big advantages, especially in a fo- small field when you get to play a lot more pairs than if you just play an ordinary Mitchell. And you've only got four or five tables. Well, you know, surely it's better for you to play nine pairs than it is for you to play five. Yeah. Hmm. Well, on the very first table, so you know how you look around, you say, right, who am I following? Uh, I looked up and I was trying to find the people... <laughs> That we were following. I couldn't see them, Barry. And I was like, shoot. Had they left the room? <laughs> They'd gone down into the other section. <laughs> By mistake? Uh, well, I think they got a little bit lost. And I was like, oh, God, I hope they get better at it. <laughs> <laughs> so say so we were in the red section and we were meant to, you know, go up that way. Well, they just somehow managed to go down that way. And you could imagine the grief. <laughs> But it was only short term, and they did. They they improved, so hats up for them. <laughs> we did okay. Mm. So, Rotorua. So you arrived there on time? Yep. You didn't spill anything on you before you got there? No. <laughs> Nothing like that? Actually, it was quite funny. I, I get there, and uh, I was just having a little chat with Blair. Jenna Gibbons was there, and we were sitting, and they said, we overtook you, and I was like, yep, did you? Yeah, what were you eating? And I was like, ah. And they, the boys were saying, that's a pie. And I can tell you, it wasn't a pie. So I was playing with Jenna Robinson from Thames, and she actually came over. We played in Hamilton Friday morning, afternoon. I saw that. 
and she stayed the night so we had dinner and that sort of thing and I decided that I might like a bacon butty for my breakfast as we're driving across and so I fried up my bacon and got it all ready to make our bacon butties in the morning and Blair said it looked like a pie I said it wasn't a pie and Jenna was going where did you get that from we didn't see you stop I was like I had it in my little lunchbox and so when we stopped at Tito so Jenna going from Thames she drove there she drove to Tito and parked a car at BP got a coffee and we ate our bacon butties after that and they're like you were driving too slow. I was like, well, it was raining. Oh, you know, what is the recommended speed when you're eating a bacon butty and driving at the same time? 95. 95? Yep. It's sort of like towing a trailer. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> towing a trailer, being a little bit more aware of your surroundings. So there is a bacon butty limit. <laughs> That's right. And if you exceed that, you get how many demerits? What, what is the demerit point? I have no idea. Probably five. <laughs> but I tell you what. The next tournament I'm going to, and that's this Saturday, Spartown Teams, by the way, people. I'll be doing another Bacon Buddy because I had a great morning start. So I think the secret to having a good morning session is a Bacon Buddy, 95 k's per hour. (laughs) Well, I'm just starting to wonder whether you should have had another one before the second session. That might have been the answer rather than pickle juice. (laughs) True. Which we have recommended in previous shows. Yeah. I tell you what, Rotorua put on a fantastic lunch. It was beautiful. Nice hot lunch, plenty of it. Lunch Every- was provided. What did you have? Oh, there was casserole, curry casserole, and bacon and egg pies, and. Sounds like you had your salads. Fil- and- Sounds like you had plenty of bacon for the day. <laughs> yeah. Nah, there was. It was beautiful, and we had hot apple pie and cream and yogurt and it was lovely well done hats off to them uh winners of that was patrick carter and julie atkinson judge julie and bailiff i kid you not 70 percent in the first session yeah after a scoring correction if you please Uh, yeah so actually i did have a look at the results were reasonably close at the end at the end they were they were only this far from the walk of shame if they'd got 70 and not one. <laughs> uh, Richard Solomon and Rochelle Peltman second. Blair Fisher and Jack James third. So there's only sort of less than 2% covering those three pairs, that's I right. think. Yeah. Yep. A little bit further back in ninth. Ninth, that's where we got our A points. Mariana from. Cullen and Jenna Robinson, which, and A points came down to 10th, so that was well judged. Yeah, it was. No, it was pretty good. Very nice tournament. Like I said, Spa Town teams. Spartan team's coming up on the weekend, so you've got a good team lined up for that. You're hoping for a few more A's or at least one more? Well, our team has had a little bit of a speed bump. So one of our team members is actually flying out to Australia on Sunday, so has decided can't play. And then the plan B, can't play either. Her granddaughter is actually in the musical Mamma Mia playing the daughter. And that is the opening show down in Topos, which is fair enough. I think you get more than a slap on the wrist if Nana miss that. So that's two of them yep. that are gone. Mamma mia. Mamma mia. But guess what? <laughs> We've got a plan C. That's good. I, I'm just hoping you don't need a plan D. Oh, I think this one's going to be pretty stable. So Alan Joseph is the director for Spartown, and of course he's got the Waikato Bay's part two of the director's seminar on the Sunday. So his wife is joining us. Is it a restricted section or what are you playing No, in? we can't. We don't fit in the okay. multi-grade. So we're playing in the open. So I'll be playing with Alan Parks. 
and Barb will be playing with Rosa. Well, there's more chance of an A point in there anyway. It'll be fun. And what about you heading down the line, I hear? Yeah, heading down to Wellington to play in the regional teams down there. Two days of hard bridge. Well, it doesn't start till about lunchtime on Saturday, so yep. I'll have time for a bacon butty before I get there. Oh. And your accommodation all sorted? I'm staying with mum. So you're travelling? I oh, know we're not. We're staying Thursday night and Friday night at my mum's in Levin. Yeah. And we're travelling down there and staying with a friend of ours. Used to play a lot back in the day, Chris Chachevich. We're staying with her and her husband, Kyle. Back to mum's on Sunday night and home again on Monday. So it's a bit of a long, long weekend. I see the team numbers are ramping up. Good numbers over at Te Araha as well. Hmm. Not so much in the multi-grade, but that might change over this week. Okay, maybe more people are braving the open section to try and get a few more A's. Potentially. Who would know? Get your gumboots on. We're going down to the pond. What's this? It's Kermit's Bridge Tips with Pam Livingston. Good morning, Kermit. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you, Mariana. Another awesome tip for us this week? Well, this tip is one that when you first hear it, you might think that doesn't sound very helpful, but stay tuned and hopefully it will be helpful. Okay. So say the tip this week is sometimes you will feel foolish. It's that kind of game. Now, I don't know about you. When something goes wrong at the table, when I do something that goes horribly wrong or I forget something, I tend to feel a bit foolish. And this is completely normal. It happens to every single player. It's normal to feel that way. And of course, you can't help how you feel. But what you can work on is how you deal with that feeling of foolishness. First of all, if I just tell you that every single player feels that way sometimes, that might help. I can tell you that the people that feel foolish most often aren't necessarily the people that are doing the most foolish things. I'll just put that out there too. (laughs) (laughs) What I suggest that if you're feeling that way, to recognise it and work out how to deal with it in your own way. So feeling foolish or the fear of feeling foolish prevents us from performing our best. And if we dwell on the thing that's made us feel foolish, then it tends to roll over into the next board. So I was teaching one of our lovely people from our New Plymouth Club and we were talking about a hand and I said, well, what do you think you should bid now? She said, well, I want to bid three no trumps, but I'm scared. I said, what are you scared about? And she said, I'm scared the spades won't break. No, but hang on, what are you actually scared of? And she said, I'm scared of going down and feeling like an idiot. Ah. Okay. Aha. (laughs) Aha. There it is right there. So that's a natural thing to feel, but it's going to hold you back. So we always think when we have bridge lessons and things like that and we're developing our bridge, we're thinking about bidding technique or how to play a hand. But these other non-technical aspects are just as important. So I would say to you, if you know that this happens to you, accept it and work on it. Right. Wow. I'm sure a lot of people (laughs) can use this tip. I think if you can, 
overcome this, it will improve your enjoyment of the game and ultimately your score. True. Well, two Ooh. tips then. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pam, can you give me an update about your online classrooms? Well, it's very exciting. I started last week with the first one. A little bit, well, I'm nervous wasn't the right word, but apprehensive because instead of talking to a lovely bunch of people that I could see when I'm normally teaching, I was looking into a green dot, which was a camera, and imagining all the, <laughs> the people there. It went okay, I think. I did knock over my cup of tea about 10 minutes in and sent it flying all over the table. And <laughs> so that wasn't good. I really enjoyed it. And so... This is a live classroom doing four lessons at the moment, but the good thing about it is that it's a live classroom, but you don't actually have to be there. So it's recorded. You can mm-hmm. watch it as many times as you like. You can watch me spill my cup of tea as many times as you like <laughs> and pause it during the explanations, and you get a worksheet and a couple of sample hands as well. So if anyone's interested in that, it's not too late to sign up for those four lessons, even though we've started, because you can just watch it in your own time. Yeah, it was a great experience, and I'm looking forward to doing the next one on Wednesday night. Amazing. Yeah. All right. And where do we get to your classrooms? Have a so look at yeah, that option. It's through LearnBridge Online, but if you just go to my business page, Pam Livingston Bridge Coach, there's a link there, and it'll tell you all about it, and if you choose to you can sign up there brilliant there you go listeners jump in (laughs) watch me spill a cup of tea (laughs) thank you pam catch kermit next week for another tip see you i want to hear about your doubles i was reading about doubles and there's more sorts of doubles than you can shake a stick at. There's support <laughs> doubles, there's competitive doubles, there's cooperative doubles, balancing doubles, lightner doubles, panther doubles, sputnik doubles, negative doubles, action doubles, parking lot doubles, optional what? optional doubles, responsive doubles, lead directing doubles, Rosencrantz doubles, Snapdragon oh doubles, Thrump enough. doubles, Game Try doubles, Fisher doubles, Strike Tailed Eight doubles, Equal Level Conversion doubles, DSIP doubles. And don't lead my suit doubles. What do you think of that? Stripe tailed ape. I think that's what Alan Morris's team was one year at the Sixes, Cambridge Sixes. It's quite a well known double, the stripe tailed ape double. So, what is that? It doesn't come up very often. It's basically when the opponents are on their way to slam, which you think is making. Yep. So, you double them at something below the level of slam. Maybe it's a response to an ace ask. Or if they get to four or five of their suit when they're on their way to slam, you double that, even though you know they're going to make six, because the score for four doubled making six is not as good as the score for bidding six and making six. But the trick is, if the opponents redouble, you've got to have a long suit to run to at the five level. Right. And so if they redouble, you run like a struck-tailed ape. <laughs> to your long suit and hope they don't go on to bid the slam (laughs) that your doubles put them off so that's what a striped-tailed ape double is comes up about once every blue moon okay and I heard another animal one in there what's the panther? that's one of Zia's and that's basically when the opponents have an auction that is not that convincing and you actually don't have much but when they finally struggle into game you double the theory is that they're going to play you for a lot of the high cards 
and your partner will show up with them. Obviously, it's a oh. contract that's is probably going to be quite close anyway, so you're hoping they'll misjudge. So it doesn't come with any guarantees, Mariana. Because mm. if they make their double contract, of course, that would be a disaster. Yeah. Any other animal ones that you named? Well, there was another one there that I thought was quite funny. It was a DSIP, Do Something Intelligent Partner. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and how does that fit into the swing of things? A oh, snapdragon. There was a snapdragon double. that I don't quite see the point of this one, but it's something like if the first three players have all bid a different suit, that's gone a club, a one hat overcall, a one spade response. Yeah, a double from you should show a good holding in the fourth suit, like six cards long, or maybe five by partnership agreement. So that's that, that's called a snapdragon double, apparently. But anyway, if your head is reeling and your eyes have glazed over, I've got the antidote. Despite all of these doubles, and there's twenty-two of them that I've just named. There's really only two sorts of doubles. There's penalty doubles or they're takeout doubles. All of these doubles are either penalty or they're takeout. There's really only two. One where you're intending to penalise, and probably the more common one where you're asking partner to bid something. It's for takeout. So despite people will say, oh no, no, you know, it's, a, it's my doubles. You know, I will if you will, or some other sort of rubbish. It's either penalty or it's takeout. If it's not penalty, it's takeout. If it's not takeout, it's penalties. Okay. So there you go. And I read a good quote from Edgar Kaplan. And he said, we'd all be better off if we took out our partner's takeout doubles and left in our partner's penalty doubles. <laughs> sure. And I've got a crystal ball. So speaking of penalty doubles, yep. there's an old saying that if, you, if the opponents don't make the occasional double contract, you're probably not doubling enough. Mm-hmm. So particularly at pairs and in, in, the, in sort of the part score zone, there can be a lot of match points at stake if, if you can double them occasionally and they go down. Yep. So I was reading about a thing called the rule of nine. It came from a guy called Mel Kokamara. And I've never heard of him, to be honest, but he's got this rule of nine for penalty doubles. Are you ready for it? Here we go, people. Brace yourself. <laughs> so one, take the level of the contract. So if they're in three spades, obviously that's a three. Yep. Add the number of the opponent's suit that you hold. So if they're in spades, how many spades have you got? So say you've got four, you add that to three and you've got seven. Add the number of honours you have in that suit. So if you've got two honours, that's four and three and two is nine. If it comes to nine, double. That's the rule of nine. So you got that. So you take the level of the contract, add the number of the opponent's suit that you've got, add the number of honours you've got, it comes to nine, Bob's your uncle. Okay. Rule of nine. I've got to confess, I'd never heard of it until today. But, yeah, probably not a bad way of looking at Having it. Having a look. If people haven't got anything to go to, though, you know, to think, oh, should I? And, and how many times have you heard at the table, oh, I should have doubled that? I was going to double that? Yeah, I think probably a lot more often than I shouldn't have doubled. Mm. <laughs> you probably do get occasionally get I shouldn't have doubled but I think you probably more often get oh, I was nearly going to double yeah well you heard it here first on the Bridge Zone people the spoken word of Barry Jones and he's telling everybody about the rule of nine so if you use it and it doesn't work out can you please email us bridgezoneshuffle at gmail.com and let's figure out what happened We'll see if these pearls of wisdom from Barry that he's been finding are any good.
or just rubbish. We had a couple of doubled contracts that we doubled at um, Rotorua and they worked out okay. There was one interesting hand though that ended up in seven diamonds which we doubled. So I opened two no trumps, 20 to 22, we're playing alcohol. So two no trumps, passed by left hand opponent, partner goes four clubs. What was that? Gerber. And then right hand opponent comes in with four diamonds. So I'm like, da 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 And I put my answer down, and guess what, Barry? I gave the wrong answer. I'm not quite sure what's happened here. It's gone four clubs, and they've bid four diamonds. What did you do? I bid four hearts. Showing one, one ace. One ace, which was so wrong, and I know that, yeah, and okay, I so apologise. Par- so your partner said... So then, all of a sudden, a left-hand opponent comes in five diamonds. I'm like, oh, okay, this is really getting interesting. My partner bangs down six clubs. Right-hand opponent, six diamonds. Right, I'm joining this fun, so I put down six spades. I had a nice spade suit. I put down six spades. Pass, seven clubs goes my partner. Pass, pass, seven diamonds double. And we ended up with the opponents playing seven diamonds Going light, we get 800, and the only slam that was possible was six clubs. Which you were in. We were in, but it got, you know, out. <laughs> Tossed out by all the interference, and uh, it just happened that the right-hand opponent decided, I've got avoiding clubs, and they're going to head to six clubs. So that's why they decided to get involved. Sounds like a good sacrifice. Yes. So seven diamonds doubled. They were non-vulnerable. And we got 800. You can't complain, Mariana. That six spade bid was pretty gruesome. They it could have was. just passed that and got a top. They could have. Once mm. once you've opened two no trumps, your partner is really the captain. It's not up to you. You got a bit lucky there. I mean, it doesn't sound like the partner was very interested in your spades. She wanted no. to play clubs. She did. Coming up next, we're heading off to the courthouse. Director, please. How can I help? Judge Julie presiding. Good morning from Dannevirk, is it, Judge Julie? Yeah, I'm sitting in the Dannevirk Bakery and Cafe having brunch at the moment, or about to. Bacon butty by any chance? <laughs> no, I'm having scrambled eggs, so mm. I'm looking forward to it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so Mariana apparently had a bacon butty on her way to the Rotorua Open on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot to be said for bacon butty. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, apparently there was a hand on Saturday which you held, Judge Julie. Nine spades to the ace, king, queen, king, ten, yep. doubleton of hearts, yep. void in diamonds, and ten, eight of clubs. Now, I heard a little birdie told me that you opened that hand four spades. Oh, yes, I was opposite a past partner, to be clear here, because I certainly wouldn't have opened up four spades if I was first in hand or even second in hand. I would have probably opened up one spade because it wasn't strong enough to do anything else. But with a past partner... I thought four spades was the right opening bid. Just a question here is that apparently a few people did open two clubs, Julie. So that's not actually legit under the current regs, is that right? Well, yeah, that's right. And and this sort of hand is partly why. I mean, when we open two clubs, we're meant to have a hand that is strong enough to be, irrespective of the regs, the, the idea of the alcohol to club opener is that your hand is strong enough that if partner has eight or more points that you are interested in slams. Highly distributional hands with low point counts aren't those hands. Those hands require partner to have very specific sort of cards, and so they're just 
very difficult to bid. And opening two clubs actually doesn't help us. All my partners that I play a natural system with would not expect me to have that hand. And I wouldn't be opening up a big one club system playing precision either. I would be opening at one stage. I would be tempted to open at one club, and I'm sure there will be other people that will strongly disagree with me here about this, but it is a hand where we're looking for specific cards to be in the slam, and having room to bid will help us make better decisions. In my case, I knew partner didn't have an opening hand. I was happy to be in four spades. Slam wasn't a possibility. The regs, with the rules that they have around 20 and 23-point hands, are making it clear that we have to have a hand that's got good strength to open two clubs, not just lots and lots of distribution. That's clear. We've got one more thing. I've got a my co-host here is a, a little bit not happy about the second session at Rotorua, and she's blaming it all on the howl, Julie. She's blaming it all on that. Now, tell her for me, there are some advantages to a howl, whether it be a club night or whether it be a tournament. What are those, Julie? People howl when they hear the word howl, is basically it. I'm not trying to be disparaging, but I think that when you start a session thinking, oh, yuck, this horrible movement, I always do badly, you're not actually facing the session with the right attitude. You want to be positive if you want to get a positive score. I mean, it works in all sports that way. However, with small numbers, particularly at small clubs where you've got four or five tables, you will play more people, you will play less boards per table, and you have better movements for the number of boards you want to play. So it works very, very well. With the larger numbers, sometimes it's a choice about what we want to do with the number of people we play in a session, um, how many other opponents do we want to meet. For example, in Rotorua, we played... 13 opponents in that second session as opposed to 9 which would have been an alternate movement alright, the only thing is with tournaments is that we want to make sure that we play a, an even distribution of the field by preference if we are in a hell and there are some that we call balance that allow us to have um, good movements and there are some hells that don't but the hands going this way, that way and the other way Seriously, that is just not an issue. There you go, Marianas. It sounds to me like if you want regular movements, how's the way to go? <laughs> Eat a prune, <laughs> start a movement. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On that, well, rather a wonderful note, I think I should leave and have my lunch or my breakfast, and you all have a really good time. You enjoy and your I'll scrambled see, eggs, and we'll see you on the I'll weekend. See you on the weekend. Say yes, hello okay. to Baylor for us. I will indeed. Okay. Safe travels. Bye for now. Bye. And to close the show today, the Give a Little page for Matthew Bristow. How's that going, Mariana? Well, they have over 15,000 pledged, Barry. What a great effort so far. That is great. Those are for those drugs for Matthew Bristow, yep. who has not been well. So it's really good that the community, hopefully a lot of the bridge community, has banded together and, and put some of that money in. That's right. So if you're thinking about it and you want to give, I was talking uh, to do on the weekend about it how much would you give and I was like I don't know oh, I just thought if maybe a bridge player was thinking of giving something at least table money that would be great uh, I'm sure the family would really appreciate it just a quick shout out too before we go Theo Smits of Christchurch died uh, this week as well he was a really great guy used to see him at congress right. guy in the wheelchair really nice guy sad news about Theo 
And lastly, the online bridge documentary, Dirty Tricks, is now available for purchase. So clubs, if you want to go in and have a look, it's $31 and you get all of the documentaries and you just have to pick out. I don't know how long it's available for. I'm hoping that the Hamilton Club buys it and broadcasts it sometime when I'm here. Take care, everybody. Happy bridge wherever you are. Bye for now. New Zealand Bridge, sponsoring bridge from beginners to international nationwide. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.